0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. We will explore God's Word to learn how we can live by God's grace and for His glory. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Here's your host, Noah Hooper. What fruit should come out of looking into the truths of the Christmas story? I believe in a word. It is worship. You see worship interwoven throughout the entire Christmas narrative in the New Testament. And in Luke 1 verses 46 through 56, we have a beautiful reminder of what the Christmas message should produce in our lives. This is no less true than with Mary herself, the one to whom Gabriel came with the stunning announcement that she would be the mother of the Word made flesh, Worship. In today's episode, I want to point out how worship is woven throughout the Christmas story. But instead of first looking at the many accounts of it, I'd like to look specifically into Mary's worship in Luke 1, verses 46 through 56. Now, we'll obviously not draw out every incredible truth within this passage, but I'd like to simply remind you of the worship that drips from this passage and the Christmas account as a whole. In verses 36 through 45, we have the account of Mary going to her cousin Elizabeth to let her know about what had happened. In that passage, you have a truly remarkable scene. John the Baptist leapt in his mother Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth then told Mary of how she was blessed by God. We'll reference that more later. But verses 46 through 56 reveal Mary's response to this account. She does not extol, magnify, or make herself great, but she makes God great. She does not rejoice in who she is, but in God her Savior. In verse 46 of Luke 1, the Bible says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Notice the words used in verses 46 and 47 to describe from where Mary worshipped. She magnified the Lord from her soul and rejoiced in God from her spirit. In other words, she was not just saying this with her lips, but she meant it and believed it from the innermost part of her being. She magnified the Lord. To magnify is to exalt or make large. The one who would redeem him from their sins and rule on the throne of David forever was within her womb, but she did not lift up herself. Instead, she magnified the Lord. She made much of the Lord because, as we'll see momentarily, the work that had been accomplished within her was all of Him. Verse 47 tells us that she didn't just magnify the Lord, but she rejoiced in God her Savior. Did you know that Mary needed a Savior just like you and I? She did not view herself as the exalt- as exalted as the Catholic Church may be teach as something better than everybody else. Mary was a human being like you and I, and she needed a Savior like you and I do. She understood her own sinfulness and depravity, and moreover, she knew where her salvation came from. She magnified the Lord because she knew that He was greater, and she rejoiced in Him because He was her Savior. She rejoiced in and magnified the Lord our God. I love how this section of worship begins. Mary will rejoice in what God has done, but she really begins by praising God for who He is. And she reveals then why she worshiped in the next few verses. She praises God for His power displayed in her. In verse 48, For He hath regarded the low estate of His handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For He that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Mary praised God because she knew her own insignificance and weakness. She bore in her womb the Savior of men and women, but she understood it wasn't because of her greatness, but because of God's great power displayed in her. It wasn't that she had done anything great, but she praised God because he who is mighty, he who is great, he who is glorious, has done great things in her. She praises God for his power displayed in her and also for his mercy displayed to the weak. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud and the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. God's mercy isn't displayed to those who deserve it, but on those who fear him. His strength isn't given to the strong, but the weak. His power isn't displayed in the great, but the low. He doesn't feed the rich, but the hungry. These verses remind us that the Lord most displays His power and strength in those who have no power within themselves. So Mary praises God for what His power had accomplished in her and how He displays His power through the weak when He may make low the strong of this world. But she also praises God for His faithfulness in verses 54 through 56. He hath hoped in His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And then the passage concludes, and Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Mary not only praised God for what he had done in her, but she also understood that what he did in her was the fulfillment of centuries worth of prophecy. He did not forget Israel. He did not forget the promises he made to Abraham, Jacob, and David. No, he remembered all of them. And the birth of Jesus is the fulfillment of those prophecies. My friend, I want to remind you that our Lord never, He never forgets the promises He makes to His own. He always fulfills His Word. So we see in this passage, in our brief look at that we took at it, that Mary worshiped God because of who He was and what He did. He displayed His power and weakness and remembered His promise to Israel. Now, we just took a cursory glance at this passage, but I hope it served as a reminder of the worship we ought to give God, especially during the season. And that is the worship that understands it is all of Him. It is not in our strength. It is not in our wisdom, but it is in His power, in His wisdom, in His strength, in His might. And He displays His glory through the weakest vessel so that He might be magnified. And we ought to join in with Mary and say, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. However, as we go to a close in this episode, I want to remind you that this is not the only place worship is in the Christmas account. When you're reading through the Christmas narrative over the next few days, I hope you will notice the trend of worship throughout it. Both Matthew and Luke's accounts of Christ's incarnation are dripping with worship. Worship is not just a side note throughout the account. It is at the forefront of the Christmas story. before Jesus' birth, at Jesus' birth, and after Jesus' birth, worship abounds. Now, we noted Mary's worship today, but she was most definitely not the only one praising God. In fact, the first one who gives glory to God in Luke 1 isn't even out of the womb yet. The first one to worship is John the Baptist from his mother's womb. Verses 41 and 44 reveal that he leaped in his mother's womb after hearing the news from Mary that she was pregnant with the Savior. Isn't that incredible? To all those who may dispute that life does not begin at conception, I remind you of this account here, that John worshiped from the womb because he was already a human being. He worshiped, then after him, Elizabeth worships as well, being filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Zacharias got in on the worship later in the chapter after his tongue was loosed following John's birth. Then there's also worship at the birth of Jesus in Luke 2. The angels worship God for the birth of Jesus Christ before the shepherds. Then the shepherds left their fields and came to see the newborn king, that after departing, verse 20 tells us, that they returned to their fields glorifying and praising God. So we have worship before he was born, worship when he was born, and then worship after he was born. When he was circumcised in Jerusalem, both Simeon and Anna worshipped. They were both elderly and had longed for the coming of the Lord's salvation and rejoiced when they both Saw Jesus because salvation is not an idea, but it is a person. And the baby who had come to bring salvation to Israel and eventually the world had come. And they rejoiced because, as Simeon said, mine eyes have seen thy salvation, because salvation is not in an idea, but it is in a person. And then the final account we note of Christmas worship is Matthew 2, verses 1 through 11. This passage reveals the wise men worshiping the Savior through their offerings. They came at a later time, but their worship was over the newborn king who had come to redeem sinners. Needless to say, worship permeates the story of Christmas. This worship is not limited to a specific age, gender, or monetary status. John worshiped from the womb, while Simeon and Anna both worshiped near the end of their lives. Mary and Elizabeth worshipped, and the shepherds, Simeon, and the wise men worshipped. The lowly shepherds worshipped, the rich wise men worshipped, and the majestic angels worshipped. You see, worship is both for the rich and the poor, the young and the old, the glorious and the lowly. What is the requirement then to do this? You must know, love, and believe this message. It doesn't matter who you are if that is the case. Every one of us ought to worship the Lord Jesus over the Christmas story because His redemptive work is for all people of every nation, tribe, and tongue. You see, there was worship before He was born. There was worship before when he was born there was worship after he was born and this was all just within the christmas account how much more so should there be worship for those of us today who belong to him we rejoice with more knowledge today than even they had for he did not remain the babe in the manger he's no longer laying in the feeding trough neither is he working in joseph's carpentry shop neither is he on the cross or in the tomb we do not Worship Him now because He has come to bring salvation. We worship Him now because He has brought salvation. These folks worship because the Savior had arrived. We worship because the Savior has already come. He has already brought salvation. He has already brought deliverance. Oh, my friend, may we join in with Mary, John, Elizabeth, the shepherd, Simeon, Anna, and the wise men to worship Him. He is Worthy. If they worshiped in the Christmas account, if as Mary did, she worshiped, she magnified the Lord, she rejoiced in him as her Savior, how much more should we today? I want to remind you of the words of the beautiful Christmas hymn, Oh Come All Ye Faithful, in the chorus of that song as we close. Oh Come, let us adore him. Oh Come, let us adore him. Oh Come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. As we consider the truths of Christmas, may we join in with that and come to adore Him, come to worship and magnify Him because He was worthy then and He's worthy now. May we join in with John and Elizabeth and Simeon and Mary and the shepherds and the angels, no matter where we may be from or who we may be. If we know the story of Christmas, then that there is one who came to this world to redeem sinners, may we join in on the worship that these gave him because he is worthy.